Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. here with Lois Banta. This is a very, very special episode of Nobody Told Me That. I can't tell you guys how excited I am about this. Lois is somebody that I've known for uh, mm -mm -mm, how many years? You know, it's been a long time. Hi, Lois. How are you? I'm good, Teresa. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, this is one of those podcasts that not only am I excited about Lois being on here, but I'm excited for you all because she comes with so much knowledge she was one of the first people I met when I started out. I joined Speaking Consulting Network a gazillion years ago, <laughs> and she was, uh, Linda Miles owned it at that time, and then you bought it from Linda, right around, when did you buy it from Linda? It was 2010, so, okay. and we we're about to have our 24th anniversary of SCM this June, so. Oh my goodness. In Colorado, right? Yeah. Loveland? Loveland, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's nice out there. It's really beautiful out there. Yeah. So when I met Lois, I don't know if you remember this, Lois, but because you met so many people there <laughs> and you, you grabbed my hand and you grabbed it so tightly and you said, is there, if there's anything I can help you with, you let me know. And I remember thinking, well, she says that to everybody. And, <laughs> and, and then I asked you, you said you would send me something and I emailed you and you sent it. And I was yeah. like, Oh my God, she she means it. So I love doing email, buddy, as do you. So yes, yes, that's my first interaction with Lois, and through the years, it's been nice to see you on the road. Uh, we've become kind of a road family, and I, I get a chance to hear you speak whenever I can. You know, it sucks though because when we're scheduled to speak, sometimes it's against each other. We don't get to hear each other. So if you ever get a chance to hear Lois speak, you really should. So why am I gushing about Lois? Well, she's an expert on accounts receivables, communications, management. She's really good at mentoring. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's an event coordinator with SCN. My goodness. We're going to get into why, why conversations matter, why Lois, after so many years of coaching so many people, has learned these tips. And she does have a book that's coming out. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But, you know, if there's anything I know about Lois, she likes to give free information, which is just fantastic. So let me just give you a, like a 10,000 foot question here. In the last 15 years of dentistry, the conversations that we've had to have with our patients have really changed. What do you see with that? What Are we changing as well? Is the dynamic changing? What do you see with conversations overall? I think over the years, the conversation, especially regarding insurance benefits and patient responsibility and our relationship with how that works financially in a dental practice has changed more to a fear mentality. And it's very frustrating and concerning to me that it has become that way because insurance isn't it's not designed to cover everything and it's not designed to give permission for a patient to have dentistry done. And so I'm really serious about changing the conversation to um, more of a patient owning their benefits and owning their responsibility, while at the same time building rapport and community and customer service with the patient and helping them truly understand what things mean in the world of financial responsibility, insurance, and accepting the best dental care for them. Let me throw you a scenario then, because what I hear all the time is patients aren't as loyal as they used to be. 
they're more insurance dependent. How am I supposed to build a relationship with someone who's driven by non-relationship issues? Well, the good news is no matter what age category we have going on in our world of dentistry, whether it's a millennial or a Generation X or a baby boomer, people still want good customer service. Mm-hmm. And so I think the link to that is offering amazing customer service, whether you're doing it online or you're doing it in person or you're doing it over the phone. People want consistent communication. They want to know you care about them. And there are ways to be able to communicate that with a patient that you truly do care and you can still work with their financial situation. So a really great way to get to know patients is to offer amazing customer service and they will gravitate towards you. So if you're a dentist who has a staff that maybe isn't great at customer service, that's a situation where maybe they need your book to get up to speed or they need you to come in or I wish there was just a charm school. You know what I mean? Like just oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and the, the thing that I've gravitated toward teaching more now than ever is you don't know what you don't know. And asking the question the right way has become the secret sauce for a dental practice. And Mm. so you don't have to have the best personality. You don't have to have the most welcoming, positive spirit if you know how to ask questions the right way and engage the patient the right way. What is your opinion on having one or two key people in the office being the ones in control of that conversation? I think it's really important. I think it's important to have a single person as your director of first impressions. And while at the same time, everyone is cross-trained how to communicate effectively and how to say what you say, but that person that greets the patient, the first person to answer the phone, the first person to hand off to the, to the, to the expert in the office, that's the key element to making sure that the patient feels cared for. You have to have someone to be able to funnel the right way two individuals. So, and, and, it, and that person has to have an amazing, outgoing, positive spirit. That's been the interesting thing. I'm sure you're hearing from other doctors that it's hot, harder to find somebody to work in the office that has that outgoing personality. And, and I'm not sure if, and I, I'm not trying to make it generational because people our age have crappy personalities, right? So we, we need to, I guess, coax that out of somebody who's nervous in the interview. So if if they're nervous in the interview, how do you see past that to think that maybe they're the ones? Is there any, are there any clues you look for? Oh, sure. Um, You know, I have, uh, this is one of my free giveaways I'm happy to send out. I have a two or a three page of questions you can ask in the interviewing process to help determine where that person would be the best fit in the office. If they're, if you're a director of first impressions and you're going to answer the, the question more enthusiastically or more positively or um, handle a difficult situation with grace, the interview questions when you're interviewing the applicant, the way you ask those questions can bring out that personality and really put the person at ease with their nerves. You know, and some people interview well and some people interview very poorly. Some people interview great and perform poorly. So I think that the way to ask the questions and will set you up for determining the best fit, the perfect fit for your office. So I'm wondering, because in your, for those of you who are listening, I have a pre-interview question that I send to the, the guests and And you've mentioned how to have conversations with grace. And I thought, I keep hearing that word 
Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if it's being put into into play. I wondered why did she use that word? Is that something that you're? Are you seeing that? Are you frustrated you're not seeing that? Is that something that you've always that's been a tenant of your teaching? Why did you yeah. use grace? I'm a little I'm a little frustrated that I'm not seeing that because when I when I go to an on-site visit and I'm observing, for instance, I'm literally a fly on the wall. I listen to the handoffs. I listen to the people answering the phone, the check-in process. And I hear a lot about rules and no, we can't do this. Do you take my insurance? No, we don't. And there are ways to be able to handle that with more grace. Even if you don't know the answer by simply responding with, that's a great question. It puts the patient at ease and not on, on notice or armed them inappropriately. Just letting them know that you're interested in answering their question if you don't know it and you say that's a great question helps the patient lean into the conversation. And that's what I mean with grace. You don't have to know the answer to someone's question. You don't have to be abrupt with someone in answering their question, but you do have to use common grace sense. You know, you don't, have, you don't have to be the friendliest person as long as you acknowledge that they have an important question. might not be important to you, but it's very important to them. Then we need to make sure that we are continuing it with grace. Got it. I like that. I think you're right with the frustration. I, I feel it too. It seems like there's so much adversarial feeling out there with dentists, but they're mad. They're mad at the payers, obviously, and they're mad at the patients. So I think they, they take it out on who's available, which is the patient. And that's really, really frustrating for me to see because, you know, something that I think you've always taught too is you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. I mean, that's customer service 101, right? But it seems like the adversarial conversations going on are more detrimental to patient care than anything else. I'm seeing it on Facebook posts where people are like really excited to tell patients Yes. No, that's not how we do it. And oh, your insurance sucks. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, you know, a patient who has a dental benefit, they're very excited they have it. Why would we ever squelch that? They're very excited they have it, but they do need knowledge in how that benefit works in that specific dental practice. So I love to tell a patient, we love that you have a dental benefit that helps you with some of the care that you receive in our office. That's letting the patient down easy. It's it's letting the patient know, yes, we take your insurance, but we don't consider it a hundred percent benefit. You can say it two different ways. You can get in their face and say, oh yeah, we take the insurance. Your insurance sucks. And oh, by the way, you're going to owe a boatload of money. Or you can say, we're very excited that you have something that helps you offset some of that cost. When you're ready, I'm happy to talk about the financial discussion. And you ease into the conversation. You let the patient know that you do have guidelines that you do, you're not a not-for-profit agency and that you do expect payment for your services, but at the same time, you're going to work with whatever resources they have to help them offset some of that cost. You know, the not-for-profit thing is very important. You said that because I don't, I know for a fact that if you have, are just new to an office, you just came out of high school or college or whatever, and you're not sure what's going on, you don't realize that we have to make a profit. It just doesn't occur to you. Yeah, the, the bills, the money fairies don't come out of the trees and magically pay all the bills in the office. You know, it comes full circle. If you, you have to produce it in order to collect it. And if you don't collect it, you can't pay the bills. And the first person, this is one of my biggest frustrations, the first person who not does not get a paycheck when there isn't enough money 
is the dentist who takes all the legal responsibility for keeping those doors open. And so I think we as a team unit, we need to get on board and on the bus and help this practice manage it like a business. When you walk into an office for the first time, is there one or two red flags that makes you go, this is going to be a lot more work or I should have charged more? Like, <laughs> do you yeah, ever say that? Well, you know, when you go into an office, they're typically on their best behavior for about the first <laughs> minutes. And, it's true, it's and true. then I immerse myself in the practice. And when I see body language, body language is a big tell for me. It's not necessarily what you say. It's, it's how you're demonstrating yourself. One practice I was in, they were um, uh, handing off the from one department to another and just said to the patient, completely ignoring the administrative team, have a nice day. Not handing off, this is Lois, she's going to answer any questions you have about your appointment and financial arrangements. And so there's a what I see as an epidemic right now is there's a big disconnect. I don't know if uh, social media has an impact on that. I suspect it does. But we have to, if we want dentistry as a business that is more customer service oriented to remain long-term and not let outside influences take over how we operate, then we have to make sure that we stay consistent with good customer service. You, you can't teach someone to have a positive attitude. I can teach systems all day long. So can you. But you have to want to offer good customer service. And as soon as that switch flips, I see huge progress in a dental practice. And I just recently witnessed that in a very tough situation in a practice in the Midwest where they were, there was really no one was getting along. It was us against them. And we did a couple of exercises on offering good customer service and recognizing the benefits I've had two conference calls with them since and amazing things are happening in this office. Awesome. The, and the best thing, productivity increased and that you, you can't measure that any other way, except they started getting along. Right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And, and we have to measure that. Yeah. I mean, that's the measuring part is another thing. I think for new dentists, they don't quite know what exactly they're measuring. And that's, that's really tough to teach. So I'm glad that you focus on that. As a new dentist going into a practice as an associate, do you have any words of wisdom? Get a big dry erase board for the um, break room and document your progress and high five when something goes really, really well, and then challenge yourselves to fix the things that don't. The big, the best advice is, of course, hire for attitude. And also make sure you're having those morning huddles and those team meetings, because that's what keeps you checked into your progress. So logistic question then about that. And and listeners, you should know, Lois has no idea these questions I'm asking her. This is nope. totally off the cuff. And I don't do that with everybody, but I knew you could handle it. So I'm not worried about it. Logistical question about morning huddles. What do you get? What do you say when the pushback is, well, everybody comes in at different times? What's your advice? Oh, <laughs> Well, there's there's two bits of advice. One is have a morning huddle buddy. So if you have different start times, then whoever's going to be at that morning huddle would have a, a, a huddle buddy that they would catch them up on what went, what happened during the huddle and what um, things might come up during the day. Another thing you can do is, is on that magic whiteboard, you have the huddle and you mark key elements that were covered in the huddle. But my new favorite way, and this is, really brought along by the millennials, and I've completely adopted it, is get a Marco Polo account. And so everybody 
that isn't at the huddle that first thing in the morning, they Marco Polo, they're part of the huddle, and that is played during the huddle. It still keeps everybody completely connected. It's isn't awesome. We could never do that 20 years ago. No, no. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That And it makes so much sense. I never even thought to do that. Yeah, you can Marco Polo. Skype, Skype them in, Marco Polo them in. I mean, there's no excuse for that. And the dentist even I, does a, at the end of the day, right before she puts her car into drive, she Marco Polo's a leadership statement on how the day went. And thank you for working so hard. And it has completely brought this team together. It's amazing. Uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So um, I guess you would just have to make sure that you don't like say person, a patient's full name or anything like that. You just kind of say the nine thirty, the ten thirty. Right. So if you can create a Marco Polo group, it's a private group that you you only mm -hmm. the people who are participating see that uh, Marco Polo message, and everybody videotapes. So I have a um, one client has. A hygienist that starts at nine. She has a brand new little baby and she starts at nine and works until six. Their huddle is at 745. So she Marco follows her huddle in uh, in the morning. And it works really great because the most important thing is not to have hiccups or to try and avoid most of the hiccups during the day. And you cover right. so much during that huddle. It's so, so super important for everybody to be able to start that day knowing all of the potential hiccups and having already resolved them. Okay. Now, you said outside forces earlier. You said something about letting outside forces change the way we do business. You know, the big Delta suit came, ADA's Delta suit. Have you heard from your clients or attendees on their thoughts? No. I'm, I'm talking about it all over the place, and I'm encouraging them to go to the ADA's website. And it's in a lot of the newsletters. Uh, anytime I get something, I get it in the hands of my clients. And also eAssist, who has many, many clients um, if I can get it in their hands, then it goes out to the hundreds and thousands. And so I think it's an important wake-up call for Delta Dental because I've seen the effects of lowering reimbursement it is having on the dental uh, population, the dentistry population. And unfortunately, some of my uh, biggest client visits now are helping uh, dentists uh, opt out of network with some of these plans that are causing them financial stress. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you do the numbers and you find out it's costing you money, I mean, what else can you do? In the first six months, wrote off over $300,000. And you cannot operate a successful, fulfilling dental business when you're giving it back to the mm -hmm. I got to think that it takes away the entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, if you're in there and you have your own practice... That doesn't feel like you have your own practice when you're writing off that much. That's no, that's and kill it. yeah, this is where the numbers crunching and my philosophy on my love of numbers comes in because, um, and this is another thing. If your um, listeners want a copy of this, I have an analysis spreadsheet. It's very simple that I do for practices who are trying to determine whether or not they're taking the a financial hit from an in-network plan, and one practice once we did the math was writing off over 60%. And when they did the math on how much they pay for utilities, lab fees, salaries, et cetera, they lost money on every crown they did. And that was the, you cannot make an informed decision unless you have proper information. So I never recommend that a practice opt out of a in-network plan until they do the math. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's something that you help clients with then. They do. Um, 
That is good to know because I, you know, I'm not doing that anymore and I'm so yeah. happy to send it to somebody that I well, trust. Well, I don't clients stay in the PPO. I'm going to be completely uh, honest. And uh, I, I, I am not a fan of PPO um, insurance plans because it hinders the ability for a dentist to truly recommend the dentistry that's in the patient's best interest. And when they, and that's the other thing that I'm teaching client offices is how to change the conversation from, oh, your insurance doesn't cover this, or you've reached your max, or you haven't met your deductible do you want to wait until next year to this is the design of our treatment plan for you. This is how many benefits you have left. Um, happy to help you with making a financial decision by offering different financial options to you. But it's more about doing the math, having the money conversation in a more logical, honest way, rather than letting the insurance industry dictate the treatment plan to the patient, which if really focused on that and they only offered the dentistry covered by insurance, that's a malpractice. So it's about changing the dialogue so that we can take more ownership and be more passionate about what we have to offer to our patients exclusive of dental benefits. You're right about the um, taking ownership part. You know, one, um, one thing that I'm working on right now is an article about price transparency in the medical side. You know, there's a lot of legislation now that's coming down saying that you have to be completely clear with the pricing. There's so much surprise billing. Patients are just getting upset. So when something happens in medical, we can't help it. It affects the patient and how they think about us on the dental side because they just assume medical and dental is the same. So when they're mad about medical billing, then they get mad at us because they assume it's going to be the same way. And so if pricing transparency is the new trend, we have to embrace that here in dentistry. So you saying taking control of the conversation again, that feeds right into it. And I know people, you know, some people don't want to give the PPO fees. Some people want to give the full fees. I would love to get your opinion on that. I don't think we should hide it anymore. No, I think we need to, I, I, we need to be billing, showing our full fees and uh, having a, a more honest conversation with our patients about, you know, the, the effects of not accepting the dentistry that's in their best interest has on their health and not letting insurance discussions too early into the conversation. For instance, saying your insurance covers a silver filling, uh, your insurance covers blah, blah, blah. It's not about what their insurance covers. It's about what in my professional trained, oh, by the way, opinion, I feel is in your best interest. There are restorative reasons we do the kind of dentistry that we do. And, and I know you're very familiar with this. Insurance companies are now requiring the actual documentation notes from the actual chart record, not just an interpretation of the notes. There, um, so I'm encouraging dental practices to make sure that they're documenting evidence-based reasons for all of the dentistry that's being offered in a SOAP method. So subjective, objective assessment plan. And you'll always cover all the bases when you do that. Right. And along with the more intro images too, we need to start taking more of those, but you're right. The, the whole, in fact, I'm really glad they don't want narratives from us anymore because oh, let's right. be honest, we had to write them and then get them approved by the dentist. So and I'm, we have the dental degree, right? Dude, I'm, I'm so thrilled about this. Yeah. So, but in the last four or five years, I've been talking about dental diagnosis codes, not because they're coming full steam ahead, but because that makes us up our documentation game. Mm-hmm. So if the clinical record is accurate and complete, there should be no problem with screenshotting it. So for anybody listening, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, if I screenshot my doctor's notes, we, we'd never get paid. 
then you need to work on that because as Lois said, it's absolutely true. They're starting to require screenshots of the clinical notes rather than narratives because I think they've caught on to us. First of all, you know, I work with a lot of insurance carriers as a member of NADP and many of them have told me they know the doctors aren't writing the narratives because they're misspelled, the tooth numbers are wrong. And I mean, it's because, you know, people that aren't trained. Right. Well, and, and that also goes to show, um, you talked about screenshotting and taking the interoral images. I am recommending to every single dental practice that does any kind of crown or bridge, take a pre-prep and a post-prep photo. Because that is your evidence. You can't necessarily see all of the evidence on the dental x-ray because they're two-dimensional unless you're doing imaging. And so a pre-prep and a post-prep photo, especially that aerial view where you have a bombed out tooth, and if you take a side view, x-ray, it doesn't look like a bombed out tooth, but if you take a photograph of the pre-prep and the post-prep, that's a neon sign, in my opinion. And using the tools like the um, transilluminators to, to really visually see a cracked tooth, those are um, some of the, de- the obnoxiously detailed documentation notes that you and I are both talking about in our industry, not necessarily just the words, it's the words plus images. That's what's going to be claim paid. And patient statements too, that they acknowledge the treatment, they are aware of the, yeah. uh, the risks and that, you know, bite felt good, all of this stuff, they're happy with the, the shade. One thing that I've, I've been saying in classes is I wouldn't document to the level the insurance carriers need. If you have that in mind, you're already in a defeatist attitude. You have to document to the level of your malpractice carrier and your state board. So if you... If you can put your notes in front of the state board and feel comfortable, then you're fine with the carriers. You know, you really, it's not that hard once you get it templated. And I think that's what people don't realize is they're scared to, to template. I'm sure you've led many offices through templating. How long do you think it takes for an office to get the hang of it, to get moving to that templated scenario? If they have proper training, it, 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 it's literally a matter of a few days. If they get proper training on how to do it, if they don't get any training, it's going to take them forever because they'll be frustrated. They'll be frustrated. They don't want to know how to do it. So I always recommend, no matter what software system you have, get that software system's expert training. It doesn't have to be an office. There are tons of webinars, YouTube videos, uh, how-tos, live online uh, training that is available for every software system out there. We know uh, for Dentrix, we have Dana Johnson. That could certainly... I love referring to Dana Johnson. Number one, she's no nonsense, very, very good and very thorough. Mm-hmm. Now, EagleSoft, uh, my go-to is Andre Sheridan, who's on Facebook. Do you do you have any other EagleSoft? Yeah, I have a lot of clients who have EagleSoft. And my soft dent go-to is Wendy Potts. So they're ah, yeah, the favorite. I need to get in touch with her then because I every now and then we'll get a soft dent question and I'm like, mm, I don't know. Been with the company since its inception. So she's very, very knowledgeable on every single facet of, of soft dent. Do you have an open dental go-to person? Open dental has really become their own go-to person um, the, by the way that they have designed um, their, their user for, um, forum. And so anybody who knows how to design some sort of report or system or how to, they put it on the forum. And so Open Dental is one of the only ones out there that I know that has a ton of user-driven how-tos. Okay, that's good to know. So that so listeners, that's a good rundown of resources. And I'll put those in the show notes so you can easily click over to find those people. Clinical notes are going to save your butt in the future. So you you can't wait. 
on this. I mean, your documentation, I have it in my, my presentations, your documentation will drive your revenue. And so we need to make sure that we're down on that. So you're doing great with all these questions that I'm just throwing at you. <laughs> Throw me some more. Throw me some more. I love that. Well, I want to switch a little bit because a lot of our, our listeners are managers, um, office managers, and, and also, you know, doctors that are listening, they might be interested in this too. There's a point where people seek a transition and you went through this. I went through this. The transition point, meaning you feel like you're ready for something more, something different. And although you might be great at your job and you love your job and you love your dentist, which was my case, I love my dentist. I just felt like I was meant for something else. First of all, I want to hear your story when you knew that transition and what were the, the signs in your gut that people should listen to when they start to get that feeling? Well, it wasn't a feeling of unhappiness by any means. It was, I knew there was more knowledge that I could share and Sharing it with my coworkers was awesome and rewarding, but it was when my boss and his friends started asking me to come to their office to teach them all those results I was getting to keep the schedule full and to collect that money and to um, schedule based on a plan. Could you come and teach my team how to do that? And I, I did it. I started doing it for free as a favor to my boss. And I went, oh my gosh, I think that's a company. So I called Linda Miles because who do you call? Back in the day, that's who you called. And I called her and I said, I, I want to come work for you. I think I want to be a consultant because I've been helping my bosses, friends, teams get results. And she said, huh. She said, I just literally founded this organization called the Speaking Consulting Network. You might want to think about starting your own company. I was like, I have no idea how to do that. And she said, well, this is where you go. So and it sounds like I drank the Kool-Aid. This is going to be it's a hilarious uh, story because I went in 1998 while I was still working full-time for my boss with his knowledge. And there were 11 people at that first for me, 11 people were members of the Speaking Consulting Network. So I went with people who were already doing it and I was so overwhelmed and and excited at the same time to say, oh my gosh, these people, I met people I've been following and I couldn't imagine that someday I was going to be in that position. So I started very, very small. While I was working full-time, I, I set a five-year goal that in five years, I want to be able to fully support myself in my company. And uh, two years later, I had to quit my full-time job because I reached a fork in the road. I got too busy. I started speaking and I'm telling you, Teresa, if I could speak 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, I would totally do it. It's my first love. I love, I love the quick fix that the, the quick awareness that my audience gets from things they can go back to their office and easily implement right away. That to me is, um, that's my drug of choice. I love, I love it when they have an aha moment and they get to go do things. The consulting part I had a love-hate relationship with consulting. I love consulting for clients who are motivated and want what you have to offer. I don't love consulting for clients who want a quick fix, in-office in quick fix. They have to do the hard work. And so I, I make a commitment with um, full-time clients that if you do the hard work, you're going to continue on with me. If uh, down the road, it's not a good fit, both of us get to make a choice to not continue. So I learned through 
my building of my business, what I really loved doing, I love the training, I love the speaking, I love doing the retreats, and I love having those one-on-one -on -one times over the phone with the clients to really help them with homework assignments to better their profession. And a lot of my colleagues love full uh, long-term consulting, and I'm happy to refer that out. <laughs> <laughs> I am with you 100% on that. I, I really loved consulting when I had great clients. And yeah. when I didn't have great clients, that's when I realized I, I need to not consult anymore. Yeah, when you lose the passion there, um, I want I want the relationship to be a two-way street and for it to be a positive outcome. And I get great positive results with my training. The short-term consulting is so much more fun, though. Like you have a, a you can call Lois, and I'll put a link in the show notes to do a one-hour consultation. Many of us do that. Rita Zamora does that. I do that. Um, so if you, that's to me more fun because I can just dump everything on them and it's great. Like all these resources when you're starting out. So, so you are, if you stopped consulting Lois, you would be fine because you would still be speaking so much because you're so popular. So you, you would be fine. Now for somebody starting out, there is this, this symbiotic relationship though, between speaking, consulting, writing, being visible. And so when you join Speaking Consulting Network, the first thing is the, the newbie day, first timers day, I guess. Oh, it's affectionately called the newbie day. It's my favorite day of the three-day conference. It's actually, I probably need to retake it. I know it's, I did it, of course. Oh, I don't even remember. I really don't you even remember. Friend, can come to remember day any way you, anytime you want. Thank you. Thank you. But it teaches you that being an entrepreneur is possible. And speaking from experience as an office manager, you too, being an entrepreneur was not anything we thought about. And it was a little bit terrifying. Honestly, if you had told me I was going to have my own company, I would have said, get out of here. I don't want that. Yeah. And, but, and then you realize, oh, maybe I can do this. And then boom, you have a company and you're like, whoa, but you walk them through some of the things that you need to do to, to do that. What, what are a few of the things that they struggle with the most when they're in the newbie day as part of the newbie day? You know, I think one of the biggest talking points is throughout the day, you know, we're taking lots of notes and there are, I have guests coming in to talk about their own personal experiences. And it's really the biggest decision they'll have to make is to find their lane. Don't try to be all things to all people. And then to realize that running a business, once you collect a fee, you don't get to keep that whole fee. And so it's about setting a budget and determining where you want to grow and go with that. And determining, you know, what kind of consulting do you want to offer? Do you want to do remote coaching? Do you want to do you want to go with a consulting organization and work for a consulting company? A lot of people do that starting out. The Speaking Consulting Network, I think, is one of the most unique environments because you can become a speaker, consultant, and a writer and learn all of those bells and whistles and tools at our conference. We cover everything. Now, I have discovered, and there are things that you discover personally, one of the things that I've discovered is 100% of my consulting business either comes from a referral or from speaking. The knowledge feedback that I get comes from my writing. In the, and the people who, who want to be able to implement things, that comes from my writing and from me sending the materials to people to help them even be better either at their craft or better in the dental profession. Uh, the speaking is I'm a natural performer. I was a drama and music major in college. And so 
So I, I don't have a shy bone in my body and I can't believe I found a career that actually pays me money to do the thing that doesn't feel like work. You are right. So at SCN, we really help people discover where their passion is. They have a thought. There was a fire in their belly. Now what we do at SCN is help them direct traffic to maintain that spark that got them there. And it's also as a very um, giving organization, it's a, it's a nurturing organization and a really incredible networking organization. If you want to speak, write, and consult, we have professionals that come looking for speakers and consultants and authors. Now we have podcasts uh, companies coming to get people on their programs. And I think that the more relatable you are and the more you stay current with your message, I've been doing this a long time. And if I got stuck in my 1998 self, I wouldn't have my company very long. So school's never out for the pro. And that's what we teach you at SCN is to constantly be a student of the craft. What I noticed the last few times I went was that you had a little bit, you had more doctors coming, which is really nice to see because I mean, yes, there's a ton of us out there, you know, former managers and consultants, but I really love seeing doctors speaking on leadership because I mean, I hate to say it, but there's still some doctors out there that aren't going to listen to us on leadership. They're going to listen to other doctors. So it's really nice to see them make that change. And I've been talking to so many doctors in the past who have had issues with disability you know, they can't practice the way they want to. And, and this is a really, why should all that knowledge go away? So this is a really good place for them to hone, you know, is this something I want to do? Oh, so. couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. You know, ones to watch from SCN, especially recently, Dr. Alan Stern and Dr. Rob McGuire, Dr. Rob McGuire and, and um, Wayne Kerr, su such great energy important leadership skills, been doing it for a long time and can really impart that wisdom in a really fun, positive way to dentists who are coming up. You know, David Rice, who's working with all the new dentists. It's just so that entrepreneurial spirit can help you in your owning a business and it can help you in the profession of offering dentistry. So Wayne Kerr, when you said his name, I immediately smiled because Wayne is one of those guys that I can't help, but like his face popped into my head and I smile because he yeah. really is just one of those fun guys that everybody should get to know. He's one of our him. guest speakers for the returning members this year. And uh, we're very excited because he, he offers a lot of energy, but he more importantly offers a lot of wisdom. Now, for those of the managers coming out of the office, do you recommend doing it part-time until it goes to full-time? I mean, how yeah. which, what does that look like? I always say, don't quit your day job till you can sustain your, your business. I didn't jump into it with both feet. I have colleagues who did. They just hung their sign on the door and, and they became very successful. But another thing that I recommend is we have companies that come to SCN that like uh, Bent Erickson and Associates and eAssist, and they come to SCN looking for trainers for their companies, which is a great introduction, not only to gain more knowledge about that part of the profession, but also to gain clients. A lot of the, the, the Bent Erickson trainers are called BOP trainers now. And I just sent my Julie, my executive administrator to training because now she's going to offer remote coaching for the employee manual on my behalf. Oh, nice. I sent her to training. The possibilities are endless. If you want to get your foot in the door and you want to be able to stay, sustain an income, then hook up with a company like Bent Erickson and like eAssist. There's a 
dark side to consulting and speaking though. And that's the, the grind, the travel. The, so I, my tip is when you think you want to do this, you can't look at my post, at GDK's post, at Lois's post and think that it's all going to be like that. You don't see us going through the airport, like screaming our head off to not close the gate, you know, <laughs> um, you know or, or having a fire drill. You know, Bette Johnson was telling me about how she had a, she's had fire drills in the middle of the night. She's had to go outside and knock on wood. I've never had that, but oh yes, it is not glamorous. So I think people really need to be a hundred percent aware that this is not, it's not going to be all on stage with the spotlight. That's like, what 5% of the time, right? (laughs) That's the cherry on top of the Sunday. I work really hard to get where I am today. I have worked very, very hard and very diligently, but I love what I do. And so the hard work that it takes, I mean, there are times, of course, as you know, we're up till one o'clock in the morning putting a client report together, or I've been in a tornado um, in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, you know, I think there needs to be a podcast on a funny thing happened on the way to my client visit because we've all had those stories, the things that happen. You know, consulting is, if you let it, is a very seductive business and it it can easily burn you out if you're not careful. And that's why one of the first things I learned from Linda Miles was to really color code my calendar. And I don't accept more than X number of speaking engagements and client visits. And I carve out my purple time, my family time. I took the whole month of December and didn't travel and worked on my book. And wow, it's been, it gave me my energy back to start 2020 uh, on the right foot. It is hard to stay re-energized, don't you think? By the end of the year, you're ready to just, you're wiped out. And that's why it's really nice to, I mean, I have friends that I call family all over the country, really all over the world, Australia and Canada, Mm -hmm. that I know if I'm in their city and I call them, we'll have dinner. Uh, It can be a very lonely business if you just segregate yourself away from the other communities. And so that's why I love, I love SCN for its um, family oriented uh, networking atmosphere. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it is. And it is a wonderful atmosphere. You always feel like you don't know. Well, first of all, you don't know anyone when you go for the first time. I didn't know anyone. Yeah. Um, one of the first people who welcomed me was Kevin Henry, of course. Yeah. And Kevin, of course, is one of my best friends. But Steve Diogo, do you remember him? Yes, I sure do. So he's not in the industry anymore. He was a, an editor, but he took me aside and basically gave me a rundown of the industry and I was like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. like who does this? Yeah. That's, but that's the kind of giving you run into at SCSO. You know, you meet people who are already in the trenches and they're very, very welcoming and very, very agreeable and opening, open sharing. Yes. And I think that's important. It's uh, back in the day when I first started, it was almost a very protected industry. The consulting industry is this is my stuff, not your stuff. And don't copy my stuff. And Look, if you want my stuff, it's it's out there. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna share every knowledge that I have if it's going to help you in your business. But I want people to be successful. I think I came in at the end of that period because I remember going to I think it was my second SCN and I had dinner with a CPA uh, who was there and he asked me what I was doing and I he said, What do you speak on? You know, and it's always the question that you're like, Oh God, here it comes again. What do you speak on? I'm like, I, first of all, at first, I'm like, I, I have no clue what I'm speaking on. But that's what you want to say, you know? 
But I, I said, well, I, I speak on insurance and I speak on accounts receivable. And he looked at me and he said, that's what Lois speaks on. And I said, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess I should change what I speak on. Like, that's what I felt like. But, but, but I remember thinking to myself, what, who are you? But so if you run into somebody like that, I don't think you're going to anymore. I think that was back when it was very segmented. Like Linda talked on leadership, you talked right. on insurance and accounts. So somebody coming in was seen as competition, but we can't train everybody. I can't train everybody. You can't train everybody. There yeah. needs to be more people talking right. on this. The more the merrier. So I, and I don't think he has that attitude anymore. He's still a member. I don't think he has that attitude anymore, but I remember that he probably won't, but I remember that distinctly going, there's got to be more pieces of the pie than just this, you know? So there's 145,000 dentists in, in the U S alone. I, I am, you know, eventually I'm someday, I probably won't be speaking. I can't imagine, but I'll be 95 maybe, but um, (laughs) You know, I don't have the same knowledge of the insurance coding rules that I did when I started out. I do not speak on that topic any longer. I refer that out to you and and to Roy Shelburne, Mm -hmm. to the people who stay connected to the changes in the coding industry. I don't I don't want to be that expert anymore. Does it make me uh, a bad person or failing? No, I just recognize who's really smart at that. And I'm going to refer that out because I want my clients to get good knowledge. It's not about me. It's about the knowledge. Right. And it's not about me and Roy either, because if somebody else burst onto the scene that had that kind of knowledge like we do, do you know how quickly we would have lunch with that person? Because we want to share. And, you know, I'm mentoring Colleen Huff and she's up at that level now. She's got so much knowledge. And I, this is not, I'm not going to say, I'm not telling you this because it's going to hurt me. It's not about me. Like you said, if it shares the knowledge, that's what it's about. So, well, you know what, there's a safety in numbers and there's power in numbers. And I just want our industry to do it right. And if that means involving more than just me, I'm more power to you. I want the industry to survive long-term with accurate information, knowledgeable information. Right. Yeah. I mean, the dentists and the managers are, are, um, we serve them. They're not serving us. And I think a lot of new consultants coming out um, that are not SCN members, you know, they're putting up quick, quick fixes to your practice. And that's not about the, the dentistry. It's about getting them some some quick bucks. So you December, you wrote a book. I did. You just sat and wrote a book. That's amazing. So it's all of my verbal skills. And so the book is based on communication. I have a lecture that I wrote called High Impact Communication, and that is going to be the title of my book as well. Okay. Uh, I actually... Uh, have a few surprises in the book that I'm, I'm, I'll tease my audience about right now, but uh, some of it, it, it's lighthearted and fun to take on serious subjects. Excellent. Oh, exclusive. I got an exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) When when does it come out? I'm hoping uh, by Chicago midwinter or at the very latest, the Hinman. I'll be launching it. Okay. And then of course I'll keep up with that. And um, maybe when it launches, we can have you come back on. I'm happy to do that. Anytime you said. This is so much fun. I mean, honestly, it's like we're having dinner or something like that. So right? I, I always say to Judy Kay, because Judy Kay and I speak at the same places all the time, but we're so, she's a lot like me where she kind of likes to just chill, you know? <laughs> well, it's like, you know, traveling is exhausting and you've got to conserve your energy where you can. It's nice too, though, when we finally, like I, I 
reached out to her for Star of the North and I said, look, or not Star of the North, it was another one. And I said, look, we're here, let's have dinner. And when we were yeah. having dinner, we were like, why don't we do this more often? Right. So yeah. that that's my goal for 2020 is to not retreat to my room as fast because I will retreat, but right. <laughs> just not as fast. We'll go to dinner first. So right, right. So I'll, I'll, I'm sure that we'll run into each other on the road. We, oh yeah, hope so. that'd be great. Yeah, we'll do that. So okay, so I want to respect people's times. I, I know that it, I'm blessed that you guys listen to the podcast. So I appreciate you taking up so much time, Lois. Thank you so much for coming on. It's, I mean, just my pleasure. I'm very grateful that you're offering this kind of a forum to be able to speak freely and uh, no holds barred discussions. And it was truly an honor to be able to participate with you, Teresa, longtime friend. Ah, so sweet. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and write up the show notes. You're offering, you're offering your interview, right? You said something about your interview and then your analysis sheets. So what I'll do is I'll post questions on the insurance analysis how-tos. I'm happy to share that. No okay. Problem. So what I'll do in the show notes is, is I will post Lois's email and you can reach out to her for that directly. Let her know that you heard about it from the podcast. And I guess until the next time that you guys tune in again, I'm so thankful that you share your time with me and we will talk to you on the next episode. Thank you, Teresa. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that.